Hey, welcome to the online ministry at Coastal Community Church. I want to thank you so much for checking us out, and we're so grateful that these sermons online are benefiting uh, your spiritual growth. Uh, but one of the things we have a deep conviction of at Coastal Community Church is that you're a part of a local church. And so uh, while we want these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth, we also want to encourage you to find a local church. So if you're in our community, we'd love for you to visit us. Check us out. We're on 101 Village Avenue in Yorktown, and uh, we have three service times on Sunday morning that you can see if you can be a part of our community. The service times are 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so we'd love for you to visit us. Um, when you visit us this summer, we're going to be doing a, a new series called One, and uh, we're going to be taking our church body through uh, the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth. And the, the letter is written because Paul is horrified to find out that this church is not unified together as a body um, to make Jesus Christ famous in their community. And I find that interesting because we we live in a culture where I think sometimes we're uh, shocked when a church is working in unity. And so that's what we want to be, a coastal community church. We want to be a church that works in unity uh, so that we can better uplift the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll join us for this new series as we go through 1 Corinthians. The series is called One. So here we go. All right, get your Bibles out. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16 and, uh, and get your bulletin out, all right? Today is an important day for on a number of levels, okay? Uh, so one of them, okay, so everybody get this out and wave it at me, all right? So I know you have it. I'm going to give you on the front end, okay, of this sermon uh, and this morning is we were having problems with my microphone in the first service, okay? It was blinking on and off. Uh, sometimes that could be cell phone interference or whatever, and so I'm just going to ignore it and move forward. So when I shut off for a second and come back on, guess what you're going to do? Ignore it and move forward, all right? So I just want to get you distracted me last service. I just want to keep going. All right, here we go. Get this out. Everybody wave it at me. Everybody, everybody wave it at me. I see about a third. I know, it's weird. Like, I'm going to church, and this guy's making me do weird stuff. Okay, so uh, here we go. All right, this is your small group menu, all right? Next week, we're starting a series. We're going through the Lord's Prayer for six weeks. Great prayer. I want to teach us to pray. Name of the series is When You Pray. We want all of you to be in a small group for this six-week series, okay? So if you are not yet in a small group, you need to get in a small group. If you're here this morning, you're like, I don't even know what a small group is, and it sounds really weird to me, okay? I've got something for you, okay? At 1230 today, as you go upstairs in the red room, that means we have red chairs in there, we are going to give you a, a sample small group time. We're going to tell you why we do them. We're going to assume you've never been in one before. You can find out about it. And then we're going to give you a sample small group. And you can see if you like it or not. Okay, so that's at 1230 upstairs. We have childcare. We have lunch, okay, provided. So maybe you're here with your spouse. It's a cheap date, okay? Use it that way, all right? It's on Coastal, all right? So, so here's what I need everybody to do, okay? Now, everybody reach in your small group menu and pull out this card. I want to see it flying in the air. No, don't throw it, okay? All right, so there you go. All right, I need everybody in here to fill this out, okay? And then at the end of the service, and we changed up the offering time this week just for this, at the end of the service, I want you to drop this in the offering basket, okay? I want everybody to do it. So even if you're in a small group currently, okay, I want just, and here's why, we got a brand new database. It's awesome, okay, but we got up to uh, update it with all the current information, all right? So even if you're in a small group or you've never been in a small group, this is your opportunity to sign up for one. Fill this card out and drop in the offering basket. I need everybody. Who's going to fill this card out? 
And yeah, I am everybody, correct. There you go, everybody. Drop it in the offering basket, okay? And, and that helps us and helps our database and, and it gets you in a small group. I'm gonna share some vision at the end of today and, and I cannot stress enough for you to be in a small group. Coastal's growing quickly. Uh, we think there's some things God is laying in front of us that we actually may be multi-site, and, and, and so it, it's going to be easier to be disconnected from others, and we believe that God uses other Christians to mold us more into the image of Jesus Christ, and small group is our place for growing in discipleship. It's our place, place for care, for you to have people that care for you when you have a need, okay? And it's our place for connection to one another. And so you really, really need to be in a small group. Make a six-week commitment. Here's the, here's the dare, okay? I dare you to try it for six weeks, all right? And that's why we do in the, in the fall and in the spring, we do two six weeks that we really kind of dare you to try it, and we think it'll really change your life and hopefully become a, a lifetime commitment, a part of your journey, all right? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6. In your bulletin is a handout, okay? I want you to get this out, all right? I want you to fill this out, okay? Fill in the blanks, but it's, it's more than fill in the blanks, okay? So if God speaks to you, there's something that sticks out to you in the sermon, you can write that down. This is a big part of your preparation for your small group next week, all right? We do sermon-based small groups. You go into the small group, you listen to the sermon. For the most part, you're prepared for your small group, but this is a key to that, all right? So fill that out and be prepared when you go to your small group. So get it out today. Uh, we are finishing up the series called One. We have been going uh, through 1 Corinthians, and, and here was this church that Paul planted, and it was dysfunctional, and it was disunified, and Paul is teaching this church unity for the sake of the gospel going forward, and that's why we've called this series One, and so this morning, and it's been a, a long journey, okay, this morning, we are going to talk about offerings and giving, okay, financially. Why? Because that's what Paul does, okay, and so in chapter 16, all right, Paul is taking an offering, and he's planted some churches in, in, in regions that are mostly Gentile nations, all right, and he's taking this offering up, and he's taking it back to the church of Jerusalem, which was a poor church. They were suffering hardship, and Paul then gives some, some uh, instruction around this offering to take these people. Now, I, I, you, I wish I had time to give you more context, okay, but this is this great movement between Old Covenant and New Covenant, okay, and so we've got this transition period in, in redemptive history of what God is doing. And so this was a huge strain to the now Jewish believers. Like, man, what's God doing among the Gentiles? Okay. And so it's no small matter that Paul is taking an offering from the Gentile churches and taking it back to the Jewish churches. And you can see some of that strain in Acts 15 and Galatians 2, where Paul kind of deals with the strain that this new church is, is facing. And so listen, one of the things that's t incredibly uniform unifying for a church is giving. It's very unifying. Why is it unifying? Well, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, what goes along with your treasure, right? Your heart, right? And so your heart gets engaged with where your resources go. Why? Because you exchange your time to earn those resources. And so of course it's a part of you and it should be a part of you. And so giving is a very unifying thing for a church. There's no question. 
It's something that brings us together. We can, we can accomplish more together than individually. I also think it's no small matter that the Apostle Paul here, right on the heels of the resurrection of Jesus that he teaches us is the linchpin of all of Christianity, the very first practical application that he gives is, guess what? Open your pocketbook, right, and give to the offering. And, and why? Because, G, again, Jesus in, Ma, in Matthew 6 says we can actually send our finances ahead and store up treasures in heaven, right? So if you're eternally minded, like I pushed you on last week, you know, hey, my financial resources can be used for eternal things. I can send it ahead and store up treasures in heaven. Okay, so here we go. First Corinthians 16, 1 to 4. Paul says this. How many of you all, by the way, are already on the edge of your seat, right? Like, oh, here we go. Okay, so listen, cheer up. Cheer up, all right? It's not that bad, okay? You should have been more depressed last week when I was spending all this time on dying and graveyards and all that mess. All right, here we go. Cheer up. You're alive. Here we go. First, First Corinthians 16, 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there'll be no collecting when I come. Verse three, when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should also go, they will accompany me. So let me pull out a couple offering principles, principles around your giving, around your, you know, how you honor the Lord with your financial resources. The first thing I want to draw out of this is Paul says, on the first day of the week, okay? On the first day of the week. This is probably, and we see this throughout the New Testament, we see the early church moving from corporate worship being on the Saturday to being on Sunday, the first day of the week. Why? Because that's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That makes sense, right? And so here's this early church, chapter 15. Paul talks about the resurrection of Christ, and now the early church is worshiping on the day of the resurrection of Christ. So even in our gathering in corporate worship, which even today most churches gather on Sunday, it should remind us of the resurrection. Okay, And so Paul says, when you gather on the first day of the week, you're to take up an offering. There's a giving opportunity. And so giving was clearly a part of corporate worship. Okay, Giving was a part of corporate worship. Now, let me pause here for a minute, okay? I mean, let me let you know who I'm addressing. This morning, from this point forward, I'm addressing Christians, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I'm talking to you. You've taken the name of Jesus upon your life and upon your name and upon, upon your being, all right? You say, yeah, you would identify, I'm a Christian. All right, so if you're here this morning and you're a guest, okay, you're not yet a believer, all right? Listen, you're kind of peeking in. And when we take up an offering at Coastal, I usually say, like, we're not after your money. We're really not after your money. What I'm after is for you to grow to be more like Jesus Christ, and so if you're a Christian, I think what I say next applies to you, all right? And so giving was a part of corporate worship. And so if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, and when you see the offering plate pass, your attitude is, well, here comes the church, they're after your money. It's an unbiblical attitude. In fact, I'm going to be even, I'm going to really step on you. You need to repent of that attitude as a believer, 
It's the first day of the week. It's a part of worship, giving. And this is why I know a lot of churches are moving away from, from passing the place. I'm torn on that issue, okay, because I don't think, you know, it has to be just here or whatever to worship God with your finances. But, but we, we still use it as a teaching tool at Coastal. We pass the place. And what do I always say? This is a part of our worship. Just like singing for a believer is a part of your worship to the Lord, all right? Just like hearing the preached word of God is a part of your worship to the Lord. Your financial resources is an opportunity to worship the Lord through giving. And Paul's very clear. It was a part of corporate worship in the early church. Number two, who participates in the offering? What does Paul say? Each of you. His expectation is that everybody is going to, all the Christians in this church called Corinth are going to be a part of this offering. No Christian, let me say this again, no Christian is excluded from giving. Paul expects that that as a believer, okay, this goes back to chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Corinthians. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, what do you understand about God? You understand that God is holy and sinners can't be in his presence. But our God is a generous God and he's a loving God. How generous is our God? He gave his one and only son who lived a perfect life. He's the only person that didn't deserve the wages of sin, but he took them upon himself to fulfill the will of his heavenly father. He took your punishment and my punishment for sin and my rebellion against God and his righteousness and his goodness and he paid for that and he died on the cross and they laid him in a tomb and three days later he rose from the grave chapter 15 the linchpin of Christianity authenticating the claims of Jesus Christ therefore there is the hope of eternal life and our finances can be used to store up treasures in heaven Matthew chapter 6 and if you believe that then you know that God has been incredibly generous with you and so giving is an opportunity to be generous to reflect the very character of our God by being generous with the things of the kingdom. Yes? Okay, so as a Christian, you understand that. Like, man, God is generous, and so I am to be a part of giving. Mark chapter 12, um, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus, this is, this is, the story always fascinates me, okay? Jesus is sitting uncomfortably close to the offering box. It actually says he pulled up a chair and he started to watch. Thank you. The first service didn't laugh. They got really scared at that moment, all right? I was kind of like, it's kind of funny, you know, kind of intimidating. So, so imagine in a moment when the offering comes, Jesus is watching you. Oof, all right? I wonder how, I wonder how we feel about that. So, but Jesus does this, right? Mark chapter 12. Check this out, verse 41. And he sat down opposite of the treasury, and he watched the people putting in the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came, and she put in two copper, small copper coins, which make about a penny. And man, he's excited about this, and he calls his disciples to him, and he says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had and all she had to live on. And Jesus calls the disciples over and checks, check this, this is incredible. Now listen, I, I, want, I want to show you a couple, and this is an argument from silence, right? So the Bible doesn't say this, but I, I just want you to see a couple things Jesus didn't do. He didn't stop her, right? In ancient Near Eastern culture, women just couldn't find, more, like to be a widow was a death sentence to poverty, Right? 
There was just no way for a widowed woman to find work in ancient Near Eastern culture. Thankfully, you know, I think because of the influence of Christianity and Western culture, a lot of that has changed. But, but you know, I, you know, here she was so poor, and Jesus didn't go, "What are you doing? Are you nuts?" I remember during the build, the Beyond campaign here, where we were raising money to get in this building. My kids did that. One of my kids did that. I had all to do for stopping. I'm like, "You, what do you? Don't give all your money. Have you lost your mind? You know." And I thought about Jesus. He didn't stop this one. Why? Because God provides her needs. He knew that. Notice that Jesus didn't say, what are you doing? You only have to tithe. By the way, the Bible uses the word tithe. You know what tithe means? Tithe means tenths, tenth of your income. He didn't, he's, he didn't say, you only have to give a tenth. Jesus didn't say this, no, and, I, and I'm going to address this a little bit later in the sermon. Like Jesus didn't say, for those of you who come from the kind of the background of it, it's grace giving. Jesus says, no, it's less than a tithe. We're under the new covenant now. I'm here to bring the new covenant. It's less than a tithe. Jesus didn't say, hey, just let the rich people around here take care of funding. No, actually, he recognized her, and he recognized that she wanted to use her financial resources for furthering the kingdom of God, the truth of God, and for us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, wow, check this out. This poor widow gives. So who gives? According to the apostle, well, everybody. Everybody that's a Christian is a giver. They're generous. The third principle and we pull from this passage. Paul says to put aside and to store up. Put aside and to store up. Here's, here's what I think he's saying. Giving is to be planned. We should, we should plan our giving. Giving is a stewardship issue. So, so when, when you get your paycheck, God has given you that amount to be stewarded to provide for your family and to provide your needs and to think about, man, what are the difference between needs and wants and then how much should be used for the kingdom of God. It's, giving's not an emotional appeal. If you remember when we did the Beyond campaign, you know, we did the pledges over several weeks because, man, I, did, I didn't want it to be like, oh, that was a great service and make some ridiculous pledge. I, I said, listen, go home and pray about it and, and think about it. If you're married, it should be a oneness, you know. You and your spouse should be in agreement and set aside and store up. Which, by the way, let me, I'm going to ask a really uncomfortable question I'm going to come back to at the end of this, okay? When was the last time you prayed about how much should I give to my local church? Like that was a matter of prayer for you in that particular week. And Lord, what, what should my giving be? It should be thought about. It's not an emotional appeal. When we did the um, Beyond campaign, the last week, the first, so we did a two-week process to take the pledges. The first week, we were woefully short, and so, man, that week, my heart was heavy, and I, you know, crafted this sermon around this kind of heavy heart, and, and I, I did make a little bit of an emotional appeal. I mean, I wasn't trying to, I was trying to show the vision. I was passionate about the vision God had given Coastal Community Church, and, and I shared the vision, and that, my small group that night um, one of my small group members was like, man, I'll tell you what, that sermon you preached, it was incredible. Like, I was so moved. I almost just dropped the keys of my car into the offering plate. I was like, we taking that? Sure, we could have liquidated that. So, you know, maybe revisit, you know. I've driven you home. So, um, but listen, giving is not like, oh my goodness, for a Christian, giving is not, oh my goodness, here comes the plate, right? And as the plate is coming around, you're like, oh Lord, please let there be something smaller than a 20. Please let there be something smaller than a 20, right? Yeah, I've done that too, you know? So that's why you're laughing. No, it's a generous response of worship to a generous God and, and giving requires 
forethought and prayer and budgeting and discipline. That's what giving is. And Paul says as much. Okay, that's the third principle to giving. Fourth principle to giving. How much should we give? It's as much as you prosper, Paul says. Some of you have prospered more. Some of you have prospered less. Let me address the issue of a tithe for a minute. The word tithe means tenths, okay? In the Old Testament, this was a principle used to say, hey, a tenth of the income go, of your income goes to a local area of worship. Wherever your temple or the, wherever you worship, the synagogue, you would bring a tenth and you would honor the Lord with the first fruits or the tenth of your income. And a lot of people will push against me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Sean, the New Testament doesn't mention a tithe, okay? Eh, I disagree, which I'll show you in a minute, okay? But, okay, so a lot of people say, man, we're under the new covenant, it's grace, and so it's grace giving, it's generous giving. How much should we give? It's a generous thing. The Bible doesn't spell out tenths, okay? So the hermeneutic that I use to take between old covenant and new covenant, how do we know how much we're supposed to give? I'm getting choked up over this. It's very emotional to me, so just kidding. So um, the hermeneutical principle that we use is if it's repeated in the New Testament, we know the principle still applies, okay? So the question is, is anywhere in the New Testament a tithe repeated? Well, the answer to that is yes, and it's in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Now, it's in the context of a rebuke to the religious leaders of the day who somehow got focused on money or tithing being the end goal of itself. That's why I always say, man, we are not after your money. I'm after way more than your money, (laughs) God's after way more than your money. He wants everything, right? That's just a small portion. When we talk about money at Coastal, it's for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward. It's about way bigger things than just, man, here's this kind of this duty, you know, that somehow I'm earning God's favor. If you think that's that's what it is, man, you don't understand the gospel at all. The favor of God's already been earned for you in Christ, Okay, and you can't do any more or less for God to love you any more or less out inside of Jesus Christ. But this is an opportunity or an overflow of worship. So Jesus is rebuking these Pharisees, but here's what he says. Woe to you Pharisees. You tithe on your, and essentially he, the, the Pharisees had gone so far as they were asking people to tithe on their garden, okay? So when they grew spices on your mint and on your rue and on every herb, yet you neglect the, the greater needs, which is justice and the love of God, okay? So it's a rebuke to be sure, but then notice what Jesus says. These you, what's it say next, church? Ought to, what? Have done. You... Absolutely, you should tithe. No one's downplaying the tithe, but you're missing the greater needs and the greater thing. So for those of you who want to push back on me and say the New Testament doesn't teach tithe, not one, I disagree. But here's the second thing. Let's say, let's just say you're right and we're under grace. And so therefore, we, you know, the New Testament talks about generosity and grace. I don't think I'm wrong, but just imagine I am. I find it hard to believe that we're going to stand before the creator of the universe one day when it comes to the use of, use of our financial resources. And here we are in York County, Virginia. Now, I know we don't all live in York County, Virginia. We meet, you know, in this building, York County, Virginia. But I'm talking about Hampton and Newport News and Pocosin and York County and Williamsburg. And some of you coming from Suffolk now, you know. Like, I can't imagine that we, we're coming from all these places, okay, in Virginia to gather here in York County, Virginia. And listen, I want you to hear me on this. And we live in the the wealthiest country that has ever walked planet Earth. Think about that. 
After we looked at Mark 12, where Jesus applauded the widow who gave everything in a third world, ancient Near Eastern culture, who literally, as she gave, didn't know how she was going to eat that week, okay? I can't, and with all of that as background, I can't imagine we're going to stand before the God of the universe and our Savior is somehow pleased with the national average of Christians giving 2.5% of their income. That's the national average. Think God's pleased with that? talking to Christians now. I'm not talking to those who aren't, okay? You think we understand the generosity of the gospel? Man, I don't. One recent study suggested that if American Christians, American Christians would raise their giving to a tenth, and some, by the way, can do more, because the Apostle Paul says, as you prosper, Ready? There would be an additional $165 billion raised in the churches in America. Now, now what could be done with that? Ready? So so I want to change you from guilt to vision. Here we go. I know you're like, you know, let me give you some vision. Here we go. Ready? Here's some vision. This article suggested, and I don't know if this is true, but this is what the article suggested. It, 25 billion of that 165 billion could be used to relieve global hunger and starvation and deaths from preventable diseases in less than five years. 12 billion of that could be used to eliminate illiteracy across the globe in five years. 15 billion of that could solve the world's water and sanitation issues specifically in places where, the, where one billion people of the world's population live on less than a dollar a day. And one billion of that could be used to fully fund all the people that have raised their hand and said, hey, I'll go be a missionary. Fully fund them. And here's the catch. All of this would be done not in the name of some government. It would be done in the name of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Do you think that would give us an audience with the world to talk to them about not just their temporary suffering, but to how to have eternal life through the person and work of Jesus Christ? you think that would give us an audience? Am I the only one who thinks that's exciting? I went to Zimbabwe last year. Okay, I went to Zimbabwe with a team of us, went to Zimbabwe. In that country, a very corrupt government is giving land to any organization that will help them build a school because they're so undereducated. Guess who's jumping on the bandwagon and making sure education goes forth in Zimbabwe? Radical Islam. Okay? Radical Islam. So guess what our team came back burdened with? Coastal, you're going to be a part at some point. We're praying about it right now. And Pastor Andrew's sitting right here, so I'm afraid it's going to happen next week because that's how he works. Like, Pastor John said it, it's going to happen, right? You're going to be a part of building a school in Zimbabwe, right? That's connected to a church and is teaching the gospel and is educating children. That's going to happen, Lord willing, okay? It's on our vision, something we're praying about. And with all I just said, according to this study, according to this article, the church in America would still have 100 to 110 billion left over for ministries in America, right? All of those things could be accomplished if we would go as Christians, hey, you know what? 10% is the starting point of generosity. Again, my goal is not to guilt you. My goal is to get you excited. And so here's the deal, right? Here's the question I have for you this morning. Are you being generous with the church of Jesus Christ? 
Are you being generous? Final principle for giving, number five. It's the protection of the offering. The church has a responsibility to protect the giving of the, of the people. Paul says, when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go, they'll accompany me. Listen, Paul expects the church to protect the offering. He expects that it will be protected on its collection, on its holding, and on its distribution. He expects that those that handle the resources will be properly overseen by the church, that they'll be vetted. I'm going to tell you something. At Coastal, when you, when you donate to Coastal, man, we, we consider myself, the elders, the executive team, man, we consider that a sacred, sacred trust. We're grateful for how generous the people are at Coastal Community Church. And, and we have... We have um, processes and procedures in place on every step of the way, from collection to holding to distribution, okay? We take that seriously. We have our books audited every year. Make sure that happens. We give you an annual report. It comes out every January so you can see a high-level view of where the resources of Coastal go. I love that Paul himself doesn't, doesn't have interest in touching the money. It's to protect himself and his ministry and to, and to stay above reproach. One of the things that happens to me from time to time, and, and now we have a solution, but you know, from time to time people come to me after a service, say, Pastor Sean, listen, I forgot to give. You know, here's my check. Like, I hate, I don't touch it. Like, no, I don't want to touch it. You know, I, that's not my thing. In fact, I'm in nowhere, I oversee the finances, but I'm nowhere involved in the day-to-day operations, all right? So now we have boxes, man. I say, hey, give the boxes back there. You know, it's checked by the end of the day. Lock boxes checked at the end of the day. So Paul says, man, I want to protect the offering. We take that seriously at Coastal, okay? And so, here we go. Here's the so what. Ready? I'm going to transition to so what. Here's how I want to conclude this morning. I want to take a few minutes to give you some vision and some dreams of where we believe God is leading Coastal Community Church. And so if you're being challenged this morning, you're thinking about, man, you know what I do? I need to pray about, man, what am I giving? Here is some big picture insight to what we think God is doing at Coastal, okay? So how many of you, show of hands, how many of you were a part or gave something to our Beyond campaign? Raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand high so I can see. I want to see. Great, awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, maybe you're here like, I don't even know what that is. Okay, the Beyond campaign was an 18-month campaign that we did as, as, the, as the attenders and the members of Coastal Community Church to raise a million dollars over and above our regular giving. So let me give you over and above. What does that mean? So if you're a regular giver at Coastal, when I give certain visions out and I say over and above, what I mean by that is not to, so let's say you give $100 to general fund, all right? And I say, man, we need this over and above. And you take that $100 and you give it to the new thing. You're literally robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? I don't know if you ever heard that. that that's an apostle saying, right? So just, like, you're pro- anyway, so, uh, so we don't want to do that. I want to challenge us sometimes as you prosper sacrificially to give more, okay? And so this church over an 18-month period pledged to raise a million dollars over and above so we could purchase this property and build this property out. And so last fall, I stood up here and we were coming down the last couple months of that campaign. And, and I let you know that our contractors had built out this building for us, okay? And they had, and, and, but we had to finish paying for it. They finished the build out, but we owed them money, which is unheard of in contractor world, right? So, so just so grateful. And so last fall, I stood up here and I said, one, we 
had to hit our pledge target. We had about $300,000. We need to hit our pledge target by the end of the last December to meet all, the, all of our, our schedule, payment schedule on time by December. And then we financed the other 150 and we put that in last year's general budget, okay? So if you're a member and you receive the budget, you should have seen that in there. We did a $150,000 contractor repayment. So we hit our numbers. By the end of December, you guys did an awesome job. We raised $960,000 by the target date of toward of the million dollar pledges. Like in fundraising world, that's like unheard of, okay? So you guys just hit it out of the park. And then y'all have been so generous this year that we were able to finish the $150,000 debt repayment by the end of June, okay? So isn't that amazing? So thank you for being generous. And, um, and so that's knocked out, all right? And it's just great stuff, okay? So what's next? I wanna give you four things that are next, okay? We're gonna talk a little bit about debt retirement, I wanna talk about building repairs. I wanna talk about youth, designated youth space, and I wanna talk about Gloucester, okay? So here we go, here we go, ready? It's gonna be like drinking out of a fire hose, but I hope you're excited. Number one, if you remember last year, and I stood up here, I said, look, I wanna take the 150,000 that we gave to finishing the contractors in this year's general, and I wanna put that towards debt retirement, all right? Um, I'm still hoping to do that in next year's budget, all right? But I'm gonna hedge it a little bit because we have a building repair need that's quite costly. Just so you know, okay, I'm a huge believer in debt retirement. I'm a huge believer that, the, according to the scriptures, the debtor is the servant of the lender, and we wanna get debt-free as quickly as we possible. So in my mind, you know, that's a big rock for us as a church over the next 10 years, all right? To not not only, of course, make our mortgage payment, but do even extra to try to get debt-free as quickly as possible, okay? So you will see in next year's budget some money going towards debt retirement. Here's the bigger need, okay? The bigger need is we have a leaky roof. We knew this was a 30-year-old roof when we bought the building, and, and after doing a little legwork, it looks like our roof repair is going to cost us about $100,000, okay? And so, um, and so I'm going to throw the name out, okay? For the last two years, every time Time the wind blows, we get a, a leak, a new leak, okay? Uh, because the roof is just so old. And so we want to protect your investment inside the building. Sheetrock, ceiling tiles, slippery floors, all that stuff, okay? We really, really need to repair the roof. Tidewater roofing has been good enough to us to do it for free as a donation to Coastal for the last two years, but we need to repair the roof, yes? Great job, Tidewater roofing. Um, I don't know. Call them. Maybe they'll do your house for free. I don't know. But uh, maybe not. Just kidding. All right. So uh, thank you. But we need to repair the roof. So next year in the budget, you're going to see that in the general budget. Okay. And, and so here's what that does. Okay. This roof repair is, is, comes with about 10-year window. All right. And then at that point in 10 years, we can decide to do it again, or we can even put a whole new roof on it. But during that 10 years, then we can be aggressive towards debt retirement. Okay. With the hope of 10 years down the road, what's the big picture thing we want to do? All right. Everybody with me on that? So that's the not fun stuff, but that's where some of your resources go. Now let me get to the fun stuff. All right. We have to consider our growing ministry. So it's not just building. Okay. That's the beyond update. Now let's do the building. All right. This current building, we have over 20,000 square feet over here that hasn't been built out. All right. The blue space that you see up there, we have been using currently. Okay. We use that right now on Sunday morning for 45th street. Our fourth and fifth graders are meeting over there. Okay. And, and we use it midweek for middle school and, by, and high school. We want to build that out to be a designated space for our student ministries. Yes. Okay. And so right now it's got a, it's got a 
a temporary partition up, which brings safety issues. And so we need to build a wall. Okay. And just like this side, everything we do on that side needs HVAC, HVAC. Okay. And that's really the biggest cost of building out over there. Okay. So we need to build a wall with, which has sprinkler issues and all the issues that go with that. Okay. And we need to build and we need to HVAC it. Okay. And so we want to do that this year in the, uh, starting now in the next 12 months, we want to see this accomplished. Okay. We want to have a standalone youth space that will be designated for the students. And additionally, go to the next slide, Steve. We want to, um, we want to make the whole space functional. Okay. So the green area, probably throw down some carpet. Okay. Maybe throw some couches in there be a space that can be used for, uh, for small groups or how many of y'all did any of the spiritual formation classes. Okay. If you did those, we met all over the building. We even had a class that met in the food pantry back here, okay? So we, we can use it for space for that. It's something we use all, all, all week long to minister here. And the yellow space we'll use probably for like a basketball court and we'll begin to use it for some recreation, okay? We think that we can do that. And by the way, let me thank Thompson Engineering who donated his time. Mark Thompson, I don't know if you're in here, but thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for the engineering. And so we, we would like to put a second HVAC system up there. Go back one slide, Steve. We'd like to put a second uh, HVAC system up there so that that second side, the green and yellow space, can also be usable. We think that we can do all of that, okay, for about $360,000, all right? How are we going to do $360,000? We're going to do it in cash. We're not going to do any debt, okay? As money comes in, that's the vision. Where do you want, where can the money come in? It can come in on the building fund, all right? And so as money comes into the building fund or money comes into general and we're having a great year and the elders approve it, okay, that, but that would be further down the line. But if you want to target this and say, man, I want to make that happen, you need to give to the building fund. How can we do that? Ready? Listen to this. If 300 families prayed and said, you know what, I want to give $100 a month over and above our regular giving to the building fund, guess how much we'd raise in a year? Any math majors, right? 360,000, right? And that would give us that number to be able to make our whole space over there functional and usable for ministry at Coastal Community Church. Is that exciting? Okay, so there's some of you that can do that. Some of you can do more than that, okay? God has positioned you as God has prospered you. You can do more than that. And I told you I was gonna challenge you at the beginning of this to go home and pray this week, okay? I'm not doing a fundraiser. I don't wanna get into tear-offs in six weeks and all that, okay? Let's just make this happen, church. We can do this, okay? So I want you to be praying about that, okay? And that would be building it out. Now, long-term vision. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. And Steve, next slide. This would be the long-term vision for that whole space. This would be phase three, four, five, six, whatever. This is as the money comes in long term. Okay. Eventually we would move what was the, the designated uh, youth space. We would move it to the back yellow corner over there. So the blue is what we're targeting to build out now. Okay. And then the long term, what in the yellow, we'd like to build out a designated stadium seating. Okay. We'd like to add some bathrooms and showers. So it's, it's literally right over here. What's in the yellow is right over this door over here. Okay. And, and, and we'd like to build that out. And then we'd build out the basketball court. And then in the green, we'd actually would build a loft and, and then upstairs would be a, um, would be some uh, small group space. And then we would like to move our first through third grade, okay, over to, you see the blue, the blue room. Now I look at where the blue room is and look at the green. Okay, we'd like to move first through third grade because over here at our children's ministry, it's growing like crazy, all right? And we need more nursery and toddler space. So long-term, we want to move first 
through really Sunday morning, we'll have first through fifth grade all the way over there, and then nursery and toddlers will be over here, and then you guys are just going to have to squish in and find parking, okay? So that's the deal, all right? Everybody with me? Long-term vision. That's where we're going over the, probably the next, I don't know, three to five years, all right? All right, here we go. Next thing I want to talk about. This one gets me really geeked up, all right? This is an area we've been praying about for years, okay? Uh, and so if you're here from Gloucester, we have not forgotten you, okay? When we bought this location, there was one group of people in our body, our church body, that we moved away from, that this place was much less convenient for them, and that was our Gloucester families, okay? At the time, at the old location, we had about 100 people regularly coming from Gloucester. And so we began to pray about, God, do you want us to launch a second site, a campus, a missional campus in Gloucester, okay? And currently in our database, we have about 300 people that have been here and given us information from Gloucester, okay? We have real, church, we have real potential to make an impact and a difference in Gloucester. We've always believed that we currently have 220 adults in the database, 83 kids, and we currently have eight small groups meeting in Gloucester this small group season, okay? And so we began to pray about this, launching a campus. While we were moving in here, this is, a lot of y'all won't know this, won't remember this. While we were moving in here, there was a church in Gloucester that uh, was struggling and voted to close their doors and gift us with some assets. And they did that because they heard that we were thinking about launching a, a campus in Gloucester. So while we've been moving in here and building this place out and getting established here in the Yorktown campus, this was going on up in, up in, uh, up in Gloucester, okay? And so, the, the, so these are not drawn to scale, okay? It's just to kind of show you, this is off of Harcum Road in Gloucester. The green piece of property we actually sold to the church that's in that building there, um, Bridge, Bridge Point Church, we sold it for $50,000, okay? So we have that in a Gloucester account, all right? And then the yellow piece we still own, and uh, I know Pastor Andrew's mind is always going about how he can generate revenue off that yellow piece, so just pray, he's always got good ideas, okay? And then the blue piece is a, ch- a church slash chapel building that we own that has a graveyard on it, and uh, we are actually in the process, uh, Lord willing, of selling that property to a church in Gloucester, is it Redeemer Church, Pastor Andrew? Redeemer Church, great Bible teaching church, has a huge interest in this building. We will own or finance it since we own it outright, which means they'll give us a deposit and then they'll probably make 10 years of payments on the agreed upon price. That probably will happen. So be in prayer about that. Isn't that exciting? Okay, I'm very excited about that. And then, <clears throat> go to the next slide. We actually own a piece. Again, this is not drawn the scale. That line is not right. It actually goes all the way to the street front. Uh, if, it, if you took that yellow and you went forward towards the main road, we own all, uh, own all of that. There's a little laundromat there, uh, a building and a laundromat that was gifted to us from Ebenezer. Okay, this piece of property would have tremendous value except for one thing. It, we, it was gifted to us with a 100-year lease on it at about three to 500 a month. It go, goes in stages, okay? So we are on year 33 of a 100-year lease, all right? So that really value. So, you know, we can either hold on to it so that maybe one of the babies in the nursery, you know, when they're an elder one day can decide what to do with it when it's free and clear, uh, or we can sell it now. We're trying to liquidate it. We have two parties that are bidding on it. It keeps the price of its real value down, but it helps us, okay? And so our dream and our vision for Gloucester has always been to liquidate these assets and try to get property or get a location on Route 17 in Gloucester. One thing that I've learned in pastoring this church 
when it comes to real estate. Uh, it's a very simple truth. All real estate agents know it. Ready? And you probably know it too. It's location, what? Loca- and what? Location. All right, so we've been praying about location, 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 okay? And so this is a piece of property in Gloucester that we're praying about. It's a potential Gloucester campus. And, uh, and by the way, thank you, Hunter Law Firm, for all your help in all these properties, okay? Andrew Barron's, he would kill me if he knew I was going to say that, but thank you. They have been a huge, huge help to Coastal Community Church in navigating this, okay? And so if we can sell these assets, and that's the vision, okay, and we're close, and right now it's a prayer point, okay, we're hoping we can raise about $150,000 in cash, okay, that will help us with our campus in Gloucester. And so this is a piece of property on Route 17. We have three options that we're investigating, okay? We can just outright lease it. Just have a lease, start a campus, off we go, okay? We can lease it, okay? We can lease to purchase it, or the man that owns it will own, potentially owner finance it, and we're negotiating all of that right now. The value of an owner finance is we would give the, give the owner the money of the, of the assets we've liquidated, okay? We would agree upon a monthly price that would go years into the future, but if at any point the, the campus didn't go, okay, we're not incurring any indebtedness, all right? That's the value of that. We would lose the money we gave him already, but there would be no future obligation of Coastal Community Church. That's what we're excited about that at least as a possibility, okay? And so we are eyeballing this as a potential campus that could potentially start in the winter of 2018 with a target date of um, the fall of 2018, we would launch it to the community, the whole community in Gloucester, okay? So that could potentially be happening. So if you're from Gloucester, be praying about that. If that happens, you will see this sound system go away. We will need to use this sound system in Gloucester. We need, it's about $40,000 to complete the sound system in here. So if you see that happening, that's why, okay? Uh, we're trying to get to Gloucester. So how does that, now let me talk a little bit about campus ministry, something we've been praying about for a long time. And, uh, and so some of you are like, well, what does this mean? mean, okay? Our vision as of right now, because we want to be effective, we're always evaluating effectiveness, is that we will do live teaching at any campus we launch. So that means Pastor Sean will be here, okay? And it's, let's say we're in Gloucester. The Gloucester campus would be doing the one series, just like we're doing the one series. Only Pastor Andrew or Pastor Joey, and we're also praying about expanding our teaching team, would be in Gloucester, or if God led us to Williamsburg or somewhere else eventually, they would be at the other campuses doing live teaching with part of our teaching team. So Pastor Sean will be here, other pastors will be there. Okay, I've already been kind of setting the pace for us at Coastal. I preach about 40-ish times a year anyway, so if there's a week I'm not preaching, it's possible I'd be at one of the campuses, but the bulk of my time will be at Yorktown, okay? That's the vision. Everybody got that? Um, And so tonight, put the next slide up, Steve. If you live in Gloucester, okay, four o'clock, small group leaders, meet us up there. We're going to give you a tour of the place, pray, answer your questions. Five o'clock, if you live in Gloucester, okay, you can come and check it out. Just come, see see what's going on, all right? We're going to have potluck, bring a dish to share, and at six o'clock, we're going to do a worship service, all right? We're going to praise and worship the Lord while on this site, and the owner of the property has been good enough to just let us in, okay? So so check that out, six o'clock, 6338 George Washington Memorial Highway, Gloucester Courthouse, all right? And uh, if you're coming to that, you have to bring a chair if you want to sit down. There's no chairs, all right? So, done, all right? We're done, all right? Any excited about the vision? I am too. I'm excited. So, 
as you pray about donating to Coastal, I wanted you to see, and by the way, this is just a portion of the things happening at Coastal, okay? But these are some big rocks that are happening in the near future, all right? So I want you to go home based on the teaching of 1 Corinthians, based on the vision of Coastal, or some of the vision I gave you today. Go home and pray this week. Say, God, am I doing all that you would have me to do for your local church? It's spreading the gospel, okay? around the world. I also want you to understand the importance of being in a small group. We are genuinely talking about being one church in multiple locations. It's, it, to, this is a critical junction juncture for the ministry of small group ministry at Coastal Community Church. If, if you're, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're not in a small group, you run the risk of, of maybe kind of getting lost in the shuffle of the crowd of Coastal, and that's not our heartbeat. We want you to be cared for. We want you to grow as a disciple of Christ. We want you to connect with other believers. Small group, small group, small group is our vehicle to do that, okay? So I'm going to close with prayer, all right? And, and then the, the ushers are going to come forward, and we're going to collect the offering. And remember, you're supposed to fill out that small group piece and drop it in that offering basket today so that you're connected to a small group. If you've never been in one, you want to investigate. 1230 today, Red Room. Be a part of a small group. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the mission, the mission you've given us, the vision you've given us. Lord, we, we, we want to use the, you've given us over 20,000 square feet of this building. We want to use more to make disciples and to reach lost people and spread the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> Help us to do that effectively and efficiently. <clears throat> and God, we're giving genuine attention and prayer to what you have us doing in Gloucester, something we, we've been praying about for a long time, God. Move. Lead us, guide us, God, as we're praying about maybe how to, how to get this potential building and the liquidation of some of the assets, God. They're, they're close, and I, you know, the details are difficult, Lord. And I just pray that you'd bring all the details to fruition so that we can continue to spread the fame of Jesus Christ. And we've just been trusting, Lord, that you, you're going to do great things in Gloucester through the ministry of Coastal Community Church. So lead us, God. What part should I be a part of it? What part should we be a part of it financially as we, we give to Coastal, Lord, so that the resources are there for the furthering gospel? Help us to do that for your fame and your glory. Help us to get in a small group, God. Rub shoulders with other believers so that we can grow more and more like Jesus. Overcome fears, scheduling issues, God, so that we could be connected to others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.